Every time I tried to make it on Every time I try to steal the star too All those lonely roads that I had traveled There was Jesus When this life I built came crashing to the ground And the friends I had were no
them you're not enough Page to age you're still the same By the power of your name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Air can come out of We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai Through your blood and By the power of your hand, turn the sea into dry land. To the outcast on her knees, where the God who really sees. By your might, you set your children free. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, El Adonai. Age to age, you're still the same By the power of your name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Erkanah Adonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai Through the years you made it clear That the time of Christ was near Though the people fail to see what Messiah ought to be, though your word contained a plan, they just couldn't understand. Your most awesome work was done through the frailty of your son. El Shaddai, El Shaddai, Age to age, you're still the same By the power of your name El Shaddai, El Shaddai Erkanahadonai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai We will praise and lift you high El Shaddai Morning. Morning. What a great deal. No? It's not a great deal? <laughs> you guys, uh, it says, uh, uh, like if you read Genesis 1 and 2, it says everything that God said, wow, that's good. That's good. You guys seen that before? That's my translation. That's good. But then he gets to Genesis 2 and he goes, that's not good. You know what he says not good? For us to be alone, like being isolated like we've been for the last few weeks, that is not good. 
So it's good to be out here. It's good to see you. What you guys notice anything unique about the roof line on the uh, Ward's house? There's something about their house that I've only seen in the country, but um, anybody notice it? Nobody? Lightning rods. You guys, you guys know what lightning rods are? Anybody? Raise your hand if you don't. Like, be honest. All you guys know what lightning rods? Oh, you don't. Yeah. So, so, so those, those. So there's one that's white up there, and then there's some black ones across the top. Um, they're sticking straight up. See them? They're, they're designed to attract lightning, right? Like if the lightning strikes, they're supposed to hit that. And then that takes the, like, there's wires that connected to it, and it takes all that electricity, theoretically. I don't know how these things work or not, but it's supposed to take it into the ground somewhere and get it away so their house doesn't blow up because of lightning. Did you know that? <laughs> I'm not making this stuff up. Vicki, where are you? Am I telling you the truth? Yeah, yeah, and and I just want to point this out to you. You all have the choice in your lives to be lightning rods or not. You can attract something that's going to explode you and blow you up, particularly through this new invention called social media. And I would encourage you not to be a lightning rod. There's enough stress in life to not attract the lightning to yourself. I don't know if that makes any sense to any of you. It makes sense to me. And I think that there's, there's a great word in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. It says, the things that you've heard, this is Paul speaking. He says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to tell others, who will be able to tell others. And that we have the unique ability right here in this yard to change the world. And that's what that verse says. You can change the world one person at a time. The problem with it is it is an instamatic change. It takes time, and it may take 30 years. So something you do today could change the world 30 years from now, but you may not even get to see it. Or you can be a lightning rod and blow up whatever social media you have, and I encourage you, don't do that. That is a bad plan uh, because I've found that the older I get, the fewer friends I have, because my friends start dying. And so I need as many friends as I can get. And so I'm not trying to blow up the ones that I have, right? And so I would encourage you to trust the spirit in you and walk by faith and avoid being a lightning rod because that stuff can really sting. I'm not even going to ask if you guys got prayer requests because I assume everybody in this particular room has uh, prayer requests because if you don't have prayer requests after the last 90 days, you must not even have a pulse because it's been a rough 90 days for most of us. So I'm just going to pray, uh, and then I'm going to turn over this microphone to Mr. Rusty. Father, you are a good God. You are unbelievable. You created a thing called water, which is a simple thing, and yet it's complex. It, it turns to vapor. It turns to ice. It is soothing and cleansing, and yet it can rush like a flood and destroy things and yet something as simple as water shows us something as simple and complicated as you you say that you are love 
and that love changes everything. And love is a very complicated thing, Lord, but yet it's such a simple thing. So let the change in the world today start with me and the man in the mirror and let love flow through me. And uh, Lord, just allow each of us with the problems and struggles we're walking through to just see you in, in that moment, that challenge, that struggle, and trust in a big God who can resurrect things that look dead to life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, isn't this awesome? It's awesome that you're you're here. Uh, but just the fact, think about October 2007. 2007, we met right up here around the swimming pool for the first time at the Ward's house. This is where we all gathered for the very first time. And uh, I think it's cool that as we start back and reopen, reopen, we're back here at the Ward's house. So uh, thank you, Vicky and Charlie, for having us. And thank you, Jesus, for... I know I'm standing behind the speaker, but if I stand in front of it, that would be a bad, bad deal. So uh, I'm glad you're here. It, it really is. I could just stand here and just like look at you for a few minutes. And... Uh, thankful for what God's brought us through uh, together as a group. I want to pick up where we've left off on the Zoom, which was, I'm in 1 Thessalonians. Paul wrote this letter to the church at Thessalonica, and that's going to be fun, isn't it? Should I go to the handheld? All right. I wish I was on my other side so anyway um he he sat down in corinth what had happened he's on his second missionary journey he's traveled all the way over asia macedonia and he's been basically kicked out of all these places he goes at first into the synagogue and then he goes into the market he goes into the agora and just begins having conversations about jesus about jesus christ to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And every time they believe that he's disturbing the peace and really upsetting the authority, which is Caesar Augustus back in Rome. And so they begin running him out every time. So he has been in Thessalonica back in Acts chapter 17, uh, the very first part of that. And they ran him out and they, he was staying at the house with Jason. It says the first few weeks, he hung out in the synagogue with the Jews and he was just talking about Jesus. The Jews didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Some of them came to believe that based upon what Paul was telling them because he was giving them real information. And then he would go into the city markets and he would begin to talk. And so the Gentiles came to understand that Jesus was the same Messiah that the Jews had expected to come. All right, so they got ran out of town and they were just having these conversations. He was staying at Jason's house. They literally brought Jason in and said, hey, what's the deal? Who's this guy that's disturbing all the peace? And they put a bond on him that basically said, if he comes back and disturbs the peace again, you're in trouble. 
And so therefore, Paul couldn't go back to Thessalonica. He couldn't go back because he knew that he would get his friend Jason in trouble. So now he's traveled not only from, uh, from Thessalonica down to Athens where he was at Mars Hill and had the, all the idols around him. He spoke about 25 different idols that were around him. Then he escaped there, went to Corinth, and he's hanging out in Corinth. And, and Keith, it's like he's there by himself. He's isolated. It's that whole isolation thing that just messes with you because Timothy and Silas, who were traveling with him, were basically left behind to minister and to disciple to those that they had come to be known as the church. And so then finally, Silas and Timothy joined Paul in Corinth. And Timothy says, hey, this is what's happened the whole time that you were gone. This is what's happened in the church in Thessalonica. The last three months while you were in quarantine, this is what happened. It was longer than three months. But that's the deal is we keep hearing stories of what the Lord is doing in your life, which is a pretty cool thing and pretty relative thing. And then he says, Paul, there's some questions that they have that they would like answers to. If you could, if you could do that, that would be great. Plus, there's some, <laughs> there's some issues going on. And so you need to address those issues. He can't go there because he doesn't want to get Jason in trouble. He can't social network. He can't call him long distance. He can't do any of that stuff that we could do. So he sits down and he pins this letter. And this is how it goes. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. That's all we're going to cover today is chapter 1, 10 verses. Just like all letters, he starts off Paul, Savanus, and Timothy. Silvanus is actually another form of the word Silas. In Acts, you'll always hear the name Silas, but in all the other letters, he uses the name Silvanus. So, he's only, these are probably the only two letters right here that Paul, he doesn't add some kind of elaboration to his name. Usually he says, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ. But these people know him so well, he just says, it's Paul. Paul, Timothy, and Silas. And he says, to the church. That's a big, big deal. The Greek word there is ecclesia. I'll, I'll speak about that here in a second. It says, to the church of the Thessalonians. Now he's getting specific. I'm writing this specifically to those who came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. While I was there, and even after I left. If you know Jesus, this letter is to you. And he says, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, they all had the common belief that Jesus was the Son of God. Here's the interesting thing. Paul uses that word ecclesia, church, which is transcribed, called out people. This is what, you're the church, you're called out, I'm going to use this theological word. You're elected. You're ordained. You're predestined. All those controversial theological words. But here's the deal. In 1972, when I was eight years old, I believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. 
And at that point, I became in Christ. And once I was in Christ, I was there eternity past, eternity future. Nothing could change that. Nothing. And so once I was in Christ, I was elected from the very beginning because I'm in Christ. It was based upon the foreknowledge of God. That's it. That's the only place I'm going there, that. Because that's a touchy situation. The whole, you know, the big split in, in Christianity is this whole Arminianism and Calvinism. And some of you are just like, I don't know anything about it. That you're perfectly fine not knowing anything about it. Just know that you're in Christ and that's the main thing. But here's the deal. The Jews were God's chosen people in the Old Covenant, right? They were the ones that were selected. They were the ones that were called out. So this Ecclesia word was associated with the Jews. But now, all of a sudden, Paul's written this letter, and he says to the church, to the Ecclesia in Thessalonian, in Thessalonica. <laughs> Do you hear what happened here? The Jews, when they see this letter, they go, wait, Paul's associating the Gentiles as us, a part of the called out. They cannot be that way. And the Gentiles, they don't really want to be associated with the Jews. Are we, are we dealing with the same problem today? No one wants to be associated with the other group? It's the same issue that Paul was dealing with back there. 51 AD. The Jews and the Gentiles, they didn't want to be associated, but now Paul's like saying, hey, we're all the church. We are one, and the reason that we are one is because we are in Christ. That's it. Doesn't have anything to do with what denomination you came from, what race you came from, anything like that. It says you're one in Christ. That's it. They were dealing with the same issue back there in 51 AD. But he was intentional. And then the last thing that he says right there in that very opening, he says, grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace. He uses this often in his letters, like in Romans and Ephesians. And get this, which word comes first? Grace. Because when you have grace, then peace comes. It's hard to reverse the two, to have peace and then give grace. But whenever you give grace, then the peace will follow. When Watch this. When God's grace comes to you, those of you who are in Christ, then grace will come from you. And you'll have peace. If you can grasp the fact that God has given you grace, and I'm talking about grace of salvation, but then also grace to do the will of God, all of a sudden you're able to disperse grace. And if you're able to disperse grace, there will be peace. There will be peace. And honestly, that's the only way we're getting peace. It's through grace that comes through Jesus Christ.
Watch this. Tell me the Bible isn't relevant to today. Then he, he goes into this whole other section. We're not getting to the body of the letter today because the body of the letter is actually chapters 2, 3, 4, and 5. But he goes into this whole other section about thanksgiving. He gives thanks for the church in Thessalonica. He, in this section, he commends them for what they're doing. He gives thanksgiving. And then he even kind of exhorts them. But uh, I love movies, and when I go to a movie... There's always something that comes on before the movie starts. The trailers, the coming attractions. He uses this section, the Thanksgiving section, these verses, to kind of, this is what I'm going to, he was a great writer. Paul was a great writer. He's like, this is what I'm going to talk to you about without saying this is what I'm going to talk to you about. But he gives you a brief introduction of what he's going to cover in chapters 2 through 5. Watch this. Verse 2, it says, we always thank God for all of y'all. See that? I put a little Texan in there. All y'all. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. He couldn't talk with them. He couldn't social network with them. He couldn't visit with them. He couldn't be with them because of the issues with Jason that it would cause. His only option, his only option was to think about them. And to pray for him. You have no idea what this group has done over the last three months. That we've literally thought about each other. Look forward to the day that we could do this right here. Just be together and see each other face to face. So in the meantime, you get on Facebook and say, here's an issue that's going on. Here's an issue that's going on. You text, whatever. And you sit there and think about people and you pray for them. That's all we could do. That's all we could do. It's all Paul could do. Verse 3, it says, We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul often in his letters used those three words, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these being love. Timothy's he's shared how they have modeled this the whole time that Paul was gone. And he begins to tell Paul all the things that they've done, the great works that they've done. And he says this, your works were produced by faith. That's what he said, your works are produced by faith. Where does their faith come from? Where does their faith come from? It comes from God. So your works were produced by faith, which God gave you. Watch this. He says, your, your labor motivated by love. Where does your love come from? It comes from God. So now your works and your labor have come from God through you. And he says this, endurance was inspired by hope. Inspired by hope. What's our hope? He follows all three of those and he says, in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your, your love in our Lord Jesus Christ. And your hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love. Not in each other. But our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the root of it. 
verse 4 it says for we know brothers and sisters loved by god that he has chosen you here we go that's the whole elect chosen and the reason that is is because they're in christ verse 5 because our gospel did not come to you in word only but also in power in the holy spirit and with full insurance uh i get i get uh made fun of the way that i speak the things that i say i say don't it and stuff like that what else do i say angela Del. De uh, like dell speckman like i say dell or mill mill oh what what, what are we going to eat for our meal yeah so people make fun of me all the time for the things that i say and i mess things up all the time up here on sunday i'm not that eloquent of a speaker uh i just myself and this is really what Paul's saying he's like I'm not that great of a speaker I'm not an eloquent speaker but I'm going to tell you the truth this is this is what I'm going to tell you he says but what you've done is you've clearly watched God working through us he's making tents having conversations building relationships with the people and they're coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior but here's the here's the great crazy thing Keith you're talking about the lightning rods and the power that comes from that he uses the word power there uh, Bryce your dad made this shirt many years ago when he was a youth minister back at Northside for camp do you know what this means it's Greek so it's Greek to you your mom will explain that on the way home. Uh, but it actually means dunamis. Dunamis. Anybody know that word? It's where we get our word dynamite. And so in the Bible right here, when Paul uses the word power, he's using this word right here. It says dunamis. That's the power we're talking about. That it's like dynamite that the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, the church, the believers, is powerful. Powerful like those lightning rods that catch the lightning. That's the power that he's talking about here. He says, because our gospel did not come to you in word only. It's not just us out here talking, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and full of assurance. He's assuring the converts there. That is what Paul had in mind. He might have demonstra been demonstrated by their willingness to endure perse persecution even after Paul was run out of the city. Like, think about this for a second. This was a city that had idols and gods and everything like that. And all of a sudden, they're saying there's one God and his son Jesus Christ came and died for our sins. It's in contrast to what the whole cities believed all their lives with all the idols and everything and now they're being persecuted because here, here's what would happen and I think you can relate this to today but if a farmer's got crops and his crops aren't growing then he would go to the certain God of the crops and he would make a sacrifice to the crops and hope that his crops would grow and they wouldn't grow and then he would look for a reason why his crops weren't growing because he did a sacrifice oh it's those Christian people 
they didn't do a sacrifice to the crop gods. It's their fault. The persecution that these believers were receiving, they had nothing to do with it. But people, whenever we come along a crisis, a situation, we always look to see whose fault it is, and usually it's not our own. We call that blame shifting. We like to blame other people. And this is what they were doing to the Christians. The reason, the reason my child died, or the reason we're having a bad relationship or it's because the Christians didn't make a sacrifice to the gods. It's their fault. So they were suffering persecution right there. It says, you know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and the Lord. In other words, we patterned for you what it was to like, what it was like to live your life by another power. This is what Jesus did. Jesus said, hey, these things, these miracles that you saw me do, I didn't do them. My father did them through me. And this is the way you're supposed to live your life. Paul figured that out, and he began to live his life that way. Think about Paul. He was the dude that killed Christians. Right? He was the dude that literally, he had, a, he had as a Pharisee, he had a wicked heart. He killed believers in Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden, he had this miraculous conversion experience on the road to Damascus. And the Lord downloaded all this information to him, and his heart was literally taken out and placed, replaced with a new heart. He became a new creation. He was literally transformed. If Paul, the killer of Christians, can be transformed... That causes me to believe that anybody can be transformed. That anybody can change their heart, change their mind about God. And this is literally what Paul's saying. I lived among you. I patterned it for you. You're willing. You can, you can imitate us. Because all we're doing is living our life by another source. I feel confident in saying that in this group right here who's learning to live their lives by another source. Watch each other. Encourage one another. He says, when in spite of severe persecution. Again, we talked about that, how Christians got blamed for everything. You welcome the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. In other words, you had faith, you had hope, you had love that came through Jesus Christ from the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, it says, As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Paul's literally commending them here for what they have learned and what they have been doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, he says, I'm thankful that you did this. Why does he say that? He's just like, hey, I'm thankful for the way that you guys serve. Because it puts it in your mind and it causes you to want to continue to do that. He's, he's implicating, hey, you need to continue doing what I'm commending you for. You're doing a great job. Keep doing it. Because people are literally talking about you all over the world. Last few verses, he says this. For the word of the Lord rang out from you 
not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone. That was the whole ripple effect. It was evident. They couldn't hold back. It's just like this loud speaker busting out. They talked about their faith. They talked about their identity in Jesus Christ. They shared it with others. You're struggling. You're struggling with depression. You're struggling with self-esteem. Let me tell you what Christ did for me. This is what they were doing. They were literally talking about it day and night. Not only in their words, but in their actions. It says, therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. He just said right there, my audience is Gentiles that have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Because you've turned from your idols. The Jews didn't have idols. They had one God. And they had the Ten Commandments. He said, make no graven images among me. So you know he wasn't referring to the Jews there. His audience was literally Gentile believers. Those that had turned from worshiping idols and gods to loving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. In the last verse. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. <laughs> Paul kind of teases them about the resurrection and speaking about the resurrection because he's definitely going to talk about it in the rest of his letter. And he's going to answer their questions. And he's going to answer their questions in chapters 4 and 5 about the end times. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So what every church should be is what every Christian should be. You have been, I'll use the word, elected, just to keep the alliteration. You have been an example. You have been enthusiastic. And you can be expectant about the future. I'm excited that next week we'll actually get into the body of the letter that Paul wrote to the church. And he spends like the first two chapters just trying to say, uh, hey, I'm legit. I know what you've heard, the things that you've heard about me and the gospel, but I just want to make sure that m my and Timothy and Silas's integrity is still there. Integrity was important to them. I'm thankful for you, just as Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. I'm thankful for the testimony, for the word, for the things that you're doing, the way the Spirit's working through you. I've watched it. I've heard it. I've seen it. It's a beautiful thing. So, Father, thank you for today that we can just hang out here. We pray for whatever's going on behind us, too, whatever uh, family or individuals and trouble and for our first responders keep them safe and i trust that you're going to do a great work through our group as you have that you'll continue to do that i pray for them keep them healthy keep them safe we pray for those that are with us on youtube that you would just uh, encourage them today let them know that they're missed being together seeing them face to face and that we'll all be doing that here in the next few weeks hopefully so lord we trust you and we thank you for today. What a beautiful day. 
And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.